What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tonnevold, and this is the Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Ed Barakaskis of the bands Teen Mortgage and Tired All the Time. Teen Mortgage has their EP release show Friday, June 21st at Comet Ping Pong in D.C., presented by Rock Explosion. I've known Ed for a while, and it was great catching up. We talk about his most recent tours with both bands, how important a DIY presence is to a music scene, and what it's like to balance out such a demanding profession while pursuing music. It's a really great conversation, and I hope you dig it. I'll have all the links to the band's music in the show notes. Make sure you go check them out if you're in the D.C. area and buy their EP. I'd also like to try something. I came up with an idea that is not entirely original, but might be a little fun. We'll see. You guys have all heard me ask my guest questions, but if you have questions you want answered from yours truly, feel free to message me on Facebook, DM me on Instagram, or email me at ambitionradiopodcast at gmail.com. If there's enough good ones, I'll start incorporating it into the intro of the episodes or possibly do a spinoff episode if I get enough. Let's get some good ones. Don't fail me. As always, please rate and review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. So you just went on tour with Teen Mortgage, right? I just got off tour with both groups separated by about two days. So I went out and did a quick run with Teen Mortgage through like the Northeast Coast as far as Buffalo and then I came back down. I was, I think we got back in Monday morning and I went back out Wednesday morning to uh, start the Tired All the Time tour. That the, is insane. The Tired All the Time customer outreach tour 2019. <laughs> where are you guys going with that? Where we, where, 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 yeah, where did you go <laughs> with that? I'm sorry. Um, that was mostly in the Carolinas and Virginia, which, uh, which was great. Yeah, we, you know, I've been to the Carolinas a couple times and like more often than not, it's like it's a, it's a, you know, like North Carolina, South Carolina. I didn't realize I'd like those places that much. <laughs> you know, no, I just didn't really know much about them. <laughs> but then, um, you know, we, we uh, had an overall pretty amazing time there. I like it. You know, we got to, uh, one of the things I didn't expect was when we played in Charlotte, we played at a skate park which was awesome. Ozo skate park. Uh huh. So you're literally playing in like the bowls or we're playing on one of the ramps basically. That's that. That's cool. So as you're playing, you know, there's just people tearing it up and shredding and you know, uh, the door opens back up to the back of the building, which is just this, you know, old Southern railroad. <laughs> so like, you know, as we're getting ready to do our, uh, our last song, the train comes by. And <laughs> That's wild. Really, like, yeah, man. A little extra distortion on the set there. <laughs> so how how was it between? So you're playing with Team Mortgage. That's just a two piece. You and James, and then Tyre all the time. How many people do you have in that? We're four people right now. Four. Okay. Yeah. How is it touring between just a two person band compared to a four person band? Well, it, you know, it's a hundred percent easier <laughs> with the two person band. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't. No, if anyone would be surprised by that fact, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, James and I have worked into a pretty, uh, pretty good groove. You know, it's only one other person you really need to, 
get along with and that's just as far as like the the shows anyway uh we usually actually do take a third person out with us if we can okay uh which we have just enough room in the vehicle <laughs> you right know, you, you saw we tore in like a little crossover like suv and like we have the same amount of gears like a full band you know so it's wild you know we have enough space that we have like that you know those little like bomber like gunner seats they used to have yeah, where yeah, it's, yeah. You looked at it, you're like how does someone even like fit into that that's kind of what James sits in, you know? <laughs> so, like, we were kind of worried about it the first tour we went out. Like, we're like, is he really going to be able to do this? Because we are, you know, we're road warriors. We're out and, like, we'll pull 13 hours driving in a day. That's just if we, if we need to, you know? Yeah. Like, especially the last day of tour, you're just trying to get Just home, go home. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the first time we're out, we're like, I don't know how this is going to work. And then, like, by the second or third day, he's, like, classically conditioned to the point where, like, you put a minute. And then he just like falls asleep like a kid, like in <laughs> the car seat. We're like, oh. He's just done. He's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. much it, you know. So. And then with the the four piece, not only do you have the full band stuff in there, but now you have more members in there. Yeah. So you're trying to switch up as far as like sleeping and all that stuff too. Um. Yeah. I mean, like you you mentioned before, like I'm I'm completely nocturnal yeah. most of the time. Um, slightly different schedule now. So like I'm. I actually do see more sunlight because I can kind of rotate back a little bit and wake up early. So you're not just a complete vampire right now? I, I probably have the the opposite issue that most people have. It's that like when I have to go into work, I need to like sleep in in order to like, you know, wake up late enough so yeah. I'm not wasted when I go there. Um, so, you know, now it's like, I think I wake up probably like in the early afternoon, but when I, I, I go to uh, on tour, I have to do the opposite where like I wake up like 7 a.m. You know, so uh, not too much of an issue because I'm pretty used to just kind of like, you know, um, just really sleeping kind of like my body like tells me to. Okay. And it's it's a weird thing that you've uh, skill <laughs> I've yeah. managed to develop. So you don't you know? have to take time to like different, not differentiate, but um, adapt your body to whatever the time frame that you're working with. You don't have to take that much time to get it used to it. No, not really. I mean, uh, there might be like some minor difficulty but mm-hmm. like um like i said it's like it's it's a weird like like Special secondary skill, that skill you have. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah i mean i think like the older you get probably the harder it is but i think the older i've got the more i've like, kind of like really like worked out my own ways of taking precautions to make sure that you know i can get through things that's like, probably it's probably it's easier when i'm on tour because i'm doing a bunch of things back to back and the only thing i need to do that night you know, aside from like driving, uh, is get out and do something very athletic <laughs> for right. a short period of time right. and then get back in the car. And it's like, I, I find it's probably more physically taxing just doing shows like while I'm home because I might be getting off work at, um, eight 30 in the morning, not getting home until like nine 30 or 10 and then having to go load in somewhere in DC, so like I might get like three hours of sleep, uh, and then have to go out and crush it like that night somewhere, you know. Yeah. Which you know, like given that like most of the shows that we do are in DC, it's every venue for the most part. It's yeah. like Second floor walk up. <laughs> yeah, and you got to get there definitely a little bit earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. That is where being in a two piece gets a little harder especially when you have all the gear because it's just me and him hauling the gear all the time you know well it keeps you in shape right i mean i i yeah a little bit <laughs> you know i think it 
you know, sometimes just like I, I, I do lift uh, weights and, you know, mm-hmm. I'll get done and be like, oh, I can't tell why I'm sore. If it's from the weightlifting, deadlifting, <laughs> or if it's because I was carrying a base amp and doing like a weird farmer's walk upstairs yesterday, you know. It's always it's always the little stuff that you think that isn't going to hurt you that much. But if you just tweak one thing, you're you're done. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the amazing things about the body is that like, uh, the more you get to know about it, especially like in like profession, like where I, where, where, you know, it's my day job. I think we're going to get right. into that. I work in, me- in medicine. Right. You can see how resilient the body is in so many ways. And then at the same time, it's just like, you know, you just trip getting out of the shower or. Yeah. How fragile you know. it is. Just, I was, I was trying to find my dog who ran off at night and then I twisted my ankle uh, in this big ass pothole. Uh, and on my street and then next thing I know my, my ankle is the size of like a grapefruit but mm-hmm. for that for like two weeks and I'm just like that probably like should bounce back everyone so, like, should I get that seed? yeah 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 so it's fine now but it was just like it's amazing that it was just like one little one little twist it wasn't even that big of a deal but then it, it blew up it blew up big and I was like mm, I don't think I like that yeah yeah it working out though, right? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and then I, I played lacrosse when I was younger, so all I did was twist ankles and and mess up my knees. So I was already used to it. It was just something that will eventually happen again, I'm sure. But it's just like, eh, it'll be all right. It came down. It's fine. You, you know, one of the other like uh, issues that you come across if you do work in medicine is that you end up getting like this extra wealth of responsibility. <laughs> like it's like not from your job. It's like, I'm fine doing it when I'm at work, but you know, it's like all your family members and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, you're kind of the closest thing to like, you know, uh, web MD for them. I yeah, guess. Well, we don't have to pay you and it's a real person. Right. So we can just go ahead and ask you all the things. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I would, uh, I, I can't, it's, it's still it's there's an extra realm of responsibility for me doing that with my license and yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's also it's like there are times like where like i probably won't get seen over a lot of things where i couldn't recommend that to someone else you know it kind of goes both that's ways interesting yeah where like you have people that work in medicine that either you get to the point where you think you have everything or you can talk yourself out of all of it all of it yeah like there there are stories about um, some people I know where their colleagues were like a pulmonary specialist and the person just convinced themselves they didn't have any issues and they end up like, you know, they're having respiratory problems. They're like, oh, that's probably like, you know, this and that. And then it turns out later, it's like, oh no, you, you have a, they're you trying have to treat themselves <laughs> yeah. and then talk themselves out of it being super serious. Yeah. And then at the same time, like denying the fact that it could actually be, if it's someone else, mm-hmm. They'll make them go get tests, and they're just like, no, no, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I can just walk it off, right? Yeah. When I was in, in nursing school, you know, it's probably wasn't sleeping two or three days. I'd say one or two days every week, I would just not sleep, probably. And then, you know, sometimes it would go for like multiple days in a row. So, I you don't know, think that's safe. I'm, it's not that uncommon (laughs) like i think a lot of people i know in the programs end up getting medical attention at some point and uh you know getting medical attention for studying medicine i got so dehydrated um at one point that my heart just took off 
like they said, I was kind of borderline uh, SVT, which is supraventricular tachycardia, which um, explain, you don't really need to know it, but exactly what it is. But um, basically, it's not the thing you want to hear when your, your heart's like, you know, beating. Like, I think yeah. I was at like, at rest, I was about 150. That, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> no, it's like you're running or you're sitting <laughs> still. <laughs> that doesn't um, sound safe at all. But yeah, that was the, that was the, um, what kind of worried my girlfriend at the time is because we were sitting down on the couch. I just kind of sit up and I was so used to just being stressed out. My body hurt for yeah. no reason that I just kind of like ignored the fact that I didn't feel well um, because it had been going on for like, you know, months, you know, just like so much stress. Uh, but then I felt like my heart just <laughs> sped up all of a sudden and, like, this is the time where, like, my recreational past of, you know, experimenting in my teenager's years came into play. And I was like, she's like, you're oddly calm. Because I sat up and I went, oh. And then I kind of, like, looked up and took my pulse. And then I put my hand down and went, huh, I think I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> You know. Just like that, just like that, that casual, okay, let me check this, yeah. let me check that, well, yeah, I should go. Being a drummer, too, it's like, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fast. It's, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't just feel fast. It's like, yeah, I think, I, I, think, I, got, I, think I get that, yeah, yeah, I think I get that approximate that's, tempo going in. so funny. You know, I ended up uh, not deciding, I was like, I'm pretty healthy, just, you know, made that weird decision where I'm like, I'm not going to go to the hospital, like, I'm, I think I'm fine, I'm just probably just having like a panic attack from all the stress. And uh, I went to a place where I was working at the time and just kind of walked in calmly and was like, hey, um, I think I might be having a panic attack. Again, just like with that exact like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nonchalant. Yeah. Thing. And uh, they walked me into the back and they were like, are you always this pale? I'm like, yes, I'm always this pale. <laughs> <laughs> is, this is how I, I look. And then, you know, they kind of just go along with me. They're like, oh, this guy's just... He's probably just freaking out until they stuck the EKG on me and saw how fast my heart rate was. And, you know, uh, when you work in medicine, you kind of see the physical cues. Mm-hmm. And, like, the person doing the EKG, like, looks up and kind of goes, oh, I, I need to go show this to the doctor. <laughs> and I looked over at my girlfriend's like, you might want to call my father. <laughs> Let him know to come down because uh, we might be a while. Oof. And then they I'd... tell you, you know, it's like I was in nursing school, so I'm still, like, I'm still relatively versed with still learning stuff right like what you don't want to hear is that they're going to go like oh yeah like i gotta show this to the doctor well it ended up being dehydration so they just loaded me up with saline and yeah you know my heart just sped you know just you know went back to normal after a while but with superventricular tachycardia they'll give you uh adenosine which is kind of like the chemical reset button for your heart you know Hmm. it's uh i don't want to get into like the etiology like how this works but there's you know. gonna be a, so many words that I don't know, but I like it. Yeah, there might be a few people. There might be, <laughs> and you know, I don't. I don't pretend like I'm the, the most well-spoken person. So it's like I think if someone I worked with probably could right. pick this apart and be like, "That's right. not exactly right." What you said, I'm whatever, like, man. We get it. It's cool. It's like I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, but you know, basically, for someone to tell you when you're like stressed out, they're like, "Yeah, um, yeah, we we're gonna give you this thing that like resets your heart." <laughs> Like your heart kind of just stops for a second. Like, but don't worry, it comes back. That's <laughs> like, that's not. A, that's, I'm not a like a. I'm, yeah, I'm not a phone where you can just turn me off and on again. Am I? Is that how that works? Maybe. Yeah, but um, you know, like I said, it comes into play like with with family members and stuff like that when they're having issues where, 
you know, I've had colleagues where they like had to do that. And they're like, oh yeah, it's like my, you know, my, my husband was like really, um, you know, really fit, but it just like, came home, was really sick, kind of like after CrossFit. And then, you know, eventually they were like, eventually you decide, yeah, we should probably take you to the yeah. hospital. And they're having an MI, you know, yeah. they're having a, you know, they're having a heart attack. So. That's wild. You know. So have you learned anything with your medical stuff to keep you straight even on touring and when it's such a demanding thing on yeah. tour? I mean, and... it, it comes into play. It's, uh, you know, honestly, it's like, I think now I'm, I'm touring enough where for the most part, I'm taking better care of myself when I go on tour. Because, you know, a lot of times like at the level we're at, it's like a little bit like vacation mode, you know, because... Mm-hmm. You know, if James is taking PTO, he's off for a couple of days and you know, he kind of has the mentality and you're, you're drinking for free and all the other stuff. But yeah, that's what I was just about to, to think about, because if you're older now, a little bit wiser now, but also know all the ins and outs of your own body and being like, OK, well, can I go this hard all the time? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's definitely a balance. Like I think I said, like you're, sometimes like when you're going out, like, you know, part of the, the nice thing about going on tour is it's you do get to see parts of the country that you don't normally get to see. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like food tourism. Beer tourism is a big thing now. I think most of the time, like every time I go out, most venues I'm playing are like right next to a, like a brewery or something like that. Or like the event that we're playing is sponsored by a brewery or something right 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 so uh i think the medical knowledge holds more with like recovery and <laughs> yeah you know it's like you know what you're doing it's not necessarily for peak conditioning right and like despite being like a bigger guy it's like i am pretty cognizant of like how i eat when i'm at home and like i tell people like even when i'm thicker it's like well it's because i'm eating a lot but i'm eating a lot of like you know very like specific food like i'm right. doing it for an effect you know I'm uh, just not tracking like my overall calories or something. As, yeah, as you're tightly. not you're not that dedicated to it. Well, it's it's dedicated to it, but I'm not always trying to be lean. Gotcha. You know, okay. which is you know that's the joke. It's like yeah, if you want to become a powerlifter, just if you get fat, just say you're powerlifting. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's funny because I have a, a couple of friends that do um, like the the shows the. Um, not fitness shows, but like the bodybuilding. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking about. And they, they literally, it's the the amount of calories, the the amount of grains that they take, the meat that they're taking, yeah. the kind of food that they're taking has to be all these portions, but all of them consistently throughout the day. All all this craziness, the macros, the micros. I don't know what they are. Yeah, I just look like. I gave up. So they, they're doing the whole thing and they're just like, okay. It's, it's funny. Cause like when you do kind of follow more and more people within the fitness community, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit involved in it, especially having like being kind of like a person that's very into like weightlifting and, you know, has like a, you know, a background in medicine. It's right, like, right. you know, it's like, I know I'm hearing bullshit, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, there's certain things that coaches and people that perform learn about their bodies that you don't really get outside of um being like an expert in that field as far as like personal experience with athletes right where um you know a doctor is going to tell you one thing about nutrition but like a, a normal physician like does not actually have that much training on nutrition 
Yeah. You know, well, that's a, why there's nutritionists. Yeah, they have a good working uh, knowledge of the mechanics of the body, but like yeah, that's why there is a specialty. You know, and then like there's specialties within specialties, and like being like a, a coach, you know, they've seen how they're feeding their athletes and how their athletes respond, and also have a working knowledge of like not all diets are going to work the same way for everyone. So when, right. you, when you talk about you have those friends that are like basically adopted like an orthorexic lifestyle, where orthorexic, you know, it's like uh, it's the I think it's kind of like it might be a real term, but it might be a made-up term for the people who are like, oh, I don't eat nightshades. Uh, you know, it's, it's like <laughs> this overly specific diet. It's so you know? insane, too. Well, some people need that kind of structure in order to get the results that they want. You know, like yeah. I said, we all kind of respond differently where, you know, I've got friends that have just kind of like pretty amazing physiques uh, because they just, you know, they're lean to begin with. Right. So it's like they just kind of be like oh i stopped drinking soda and i started eating like you know they do it to a much like less like regimented effect right but it works for them yeah i quit drinking almost two years ago congratulations and instead of looking like a before and after where i got my life together mm -hmm. and i started working out and i did all that i look like a before and a worse than before because then <laughs> i just i just started getting lazy and just like eating more and it's yeah. just like the exact opposite of what you should be doing when you quit drinking. So it's fun. I, I enjoy what I'm doing, but at the same time, it's, it's just, it seems daunting. I think until you get into it. Until you get into like a, you know, yeah. It, it, I feel like I'm fortunate because I actually enjoy weightlifting. Right. You know, and it's almost like with, with playing drums, it's like both those things I kind of did because it kind of felt right. You know, and it's like weightlifting. I, I just have always kind of enjoyed it. So for me, it's like it's it's very therapeutic. That's another thing about like being on tour is that like I don't often get a chance to lift like the way I want to. Like I managed to actually do it <laughs> like on like two of the dates I was out on tour with Team Mortgage. That's what I was about to ask you. Like, do you since you are doing that, is it something that you do on tour? Is it something that you can find like? 24-hour fitness or planet fitness or whatever that you're able to just go in there and be like okay let me lift heavy things and then lift more heavy things later on most places have you know like some kind of fitness center unless you're like i mean if you're staying at like a red roof or something like that it's pretty much just a you know you're dealing with four walls and yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's about pretty it much it. well it's sometimes it's all you need on tour you know it's like Technically, I am going out and doing something physical every night. It's like, you know, um, not so much with tired all the time as being physically demanding, but like with Team Mortgage, you know, we're sweaty, <laughs> like, you know, first song in, second song in, you know. Uh, so this that's the first band I've really been in where it's like I had to take a real uh, inventory of what I'm doing in order to actually be able to perform physically. Not just like be like you know, uh, you know, there mentally. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. It's like you know, it's I can't really, you know, have a few beers and then go out and expect that I'm going to be able to like really crush the set. You know, uh, you know, you wouldn't like I said, you wouldn't drink a six pack and go try to run for two miles. You know, which if you think about it, it's like we're we're moving pretty quick for you know like. 30, it's a lot of energy minutes. expended in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you want to kind of perform at your peak, like really it's like, you know, I've really enjoyed like nights where I go in, I don't actually have anything to drink other than water or like whatever before I, I perform or like maybe like something with some caffeine in it. 
you know, uh, sometimes you just drink out of boredom, <laughs> like yeah, when you go to yeah. shows and like, yeah, it's becoming something like uh, that uh, trying to do less and less of, you know, other than like, you know, like you said, like it's, it's part of the balance. Like you do go out on tour and it's like, you're, you're killing time. You're like, oh man, I, I just want to get like a flight beforehand or something. Right. You know, at this brewery. But uh, I found like if I, I keep it to a limit of like one or two before I go on, that's probably about it, you know, or like stop a certain time before I go on. But, you know, I think ideally it's like, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I would just not, <laughs> but you know, like it is a balance. Well, do you find, uh, that you're able to, I guess, have a little bit more leniency with that with tired all the time rather than team mortgage, because with the, the amount of energy that you're going to expend, like what you're talking about, you're mm-hmm. getting sweaty the first time in or the first song in. So is it something where, you're like, okay, well, I can probably have a little bit more fun, not fun, but a little bit more discovery with tired all the time touring and go have that flight rather than with teen mortgage where I have to lift everything to go in, load in, and do, then do most, I do yeah. the driving on tour with teen mortgage too. Um, you know, I would say there's one particular like day on tour where it's like, I just got just way drunker than I normally would, <laughs> you know, and I, it wasn't before he went on. I still kind of like had like hung to my, uh, my, my morals before I went on just because, you know, it's like, you listen to like Henry Rollins like yeah. in the past, like, you know, to, to the extreme where he's going like, you know, if you're, if you're going out and trying to give it any less than 100%, he says he feels like he's doing a disservice to his crowd. You know, it's like people paid money to come see you. I mean, depending on what level you're at, like there are people that never seen you before and you're making your first impression or there's people that know you already and they're kind of invested in like being like really kind of like seeing you perform. And it's like, you really want to give it your all for both of them. So it's like, I don't want to hit the stage drunk. You know, I think the only time I really did that with team mortgage, like truly was, uh, we played a show in South Carolina where the opening band showed up and, you know, used our gear and then left. (laughs) What? So, So it was basically just us playing with, uh, uh, another band that we were on tour with who uh it's the shandies but they're called liquid tv now because they had a cease and desist order placed on them for the shandies yeah so that's oh. probably like the, the one of the times i was actually like both james and i are just like well f- screw it <laughs> like we're just yeah, gonna have fun you're only tonight. gonna play against for another person why, might as well just like let loose and, and have fun right yeah so but that's like you know that definitely just like proved to me i was like oh yeah yeah it's like Trying to do this with a few beers in you is not pleasant. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> muscles start to not cooperate. Yeah. Like not not so much even just like being like tight. It's just like from a physical standpoint, like I feel like you know, your your body's just not responding the way you want it to. Like for you know, I, I think when people think about it, they think, oh, like dexterity and like if you're playing guitar, it's like you're doing something that's like requires a lot of dexterity. And with drums, you do to a certain effect, but it's also like you're just doing like a super repetitive motion and you kind of need that like, uh, like both like fast twitch and slow twitch muscle fibers to be doing what you want to do. You know, sometimes I'm really just moving my hand (laughs) like a couple inches for, you know, a couple, you know, minutes at a time. And like, you know, by the end of like a set, it's like, if you've been just shaking your hand like this, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's going to start feeling like it's going to fall off, you know? Yeah. Or just shake away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with, uh, with teen mortgage, um, how did that come about? So James is from Liverpool and he came over. How did you meet James? Yeah, people, people love this story. 
Yeah. So so tired all the time was still was active at that point, kind of like in the more like primordial. Well, not primordial, but like it was just kind of like really kind of getting out and starting to play a little bit, um, and just having time at night. I was on Craigslist, just kind of like like you'd flip through channels. It was just mm-hmm. occasionally I'll go on there just to see what's on there, you know. And uh, it can be mus- amusing to a certain degree. It's like. You can tell, like, when you're reading some of these, like, uh, posts, like, how people have been burned in the past. <laughs> you know, it's like, must not be an asshole, must right. must have, like, pro-equipment and pro-attitude, right. like, 420 friendly, but, you know, must not be a druggie, like, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's kind of one of those deals. But, like, you know, there, there's some things where I'm, I'm checking things out, and it's like, if, if there was like, a good opportunity, I would look into it, and that's kind of what happened was I saw there was this person that was looking to do a duo and I checked out their stuff and I was like, well, this, you know, this is good, (laughs) you know? And I kind of was like, this seems ideal. It's like, if I was going to do one of their things, I was itching to do more, like just in general to play more. Um, because I I probably have a history of playing in like a a number of groups. Everyone knows that, you know, drummers are like, you know, Drummers are usually like all over the place. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I, I think just through like everyone's schedules with uh, tired all the time, we just don't we don't do as much as I would like to do as far as like having me playing out. Okay. Uh, so I end up uh kind of connecting with James, and he was driving for Uber at the time. So like I was like all this stuff convenience wise worked out, you know. And it's like really, uh, it's been amazingly like refreshing kind of being a two-person band after being in you know larger bands pretty much almost exclusively like i think the the smallest band i've been in was three people which you know like it's like an exponent every time you add someone else it's like it's it's that much harder to um it's one extra person to schedule for one extra person to accommodate for gear for being fed i'm not even gonna get into like payment because you know like we kind of most of the things that we do, it's like, you know, we're always like thinking of like a small business. We're reinvesting it. Usually it's right. not like we're, we're cutting ourselves checks really for this, you know, but we can get into that another time. Um, it's been a theme that's kind of like continued is that like, you know, it's to a degree, it's, there's a lot of difficulties about being a two person band. And like, I think that's one thing we've really, um, been able to, uh, used to our advantage too because people don't expect us to be as intense as we are live you know it's like uh i think they see a guitarist and they kind of expect us to be garagey like more like a little more jangly yeah and they don't expect it just like they we've played shows where people are like i walked around the corner and i just expected to see like this full band <laughs> and there's just you two guys yeah you know and like uh always trying to kind of think of ways to make it sound huge and to, you know, to carry the stage show over when you're just two people. Well, do you feel more responsibility to fill out that sound and to get more people uh, entertained or focused on you too? As the drummer, it's a little harder to do that, but I would assume with the two people. Um, yeah, like uh, we, we do, we have a different like formation. We, you know, if we can now, we've been a little more adamant about playing like just level like kind of like facing towards each other which is just better for um 
it's better for us communicating because he doesn't have to like turn his shoulders over mm-hmm. and like I didn't realize this wasn't like so much of a, a punk or like garage thing, but we do do a lot of like like visual communication and um, it's something that just kind of came naturally, but. You know, some people point out like, "Oh, like you guys are like like a little more complicated than I thought you would be," and I was like, oh, "I didn't." It didn't occur to us. It occurred to me when we went to studio, we realized we actually had to like, you know, uh, try to recreate something that we were doing organically, and like, well, this isn't this isn't counted out. You know, this is <laughs> yeah, because I would assume it's it's a lot harder to track your stuff and then his stuff separately when. Especially live and practicing, you're so in, intertwined. Yeah, you have to like reverse engineer it essentially. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is great because we um, we we used um, Kenny Eaton with Mystery Ton Studios for okay. this last album. Who I've used for Tired All the Times last two albums, um, and he's pretty pretty good about like you know really kind of like working with different bands and like trying to like be like, oh, this is how we can recreate the sound, you know. Which is like as far as like recording goes, it's like kind of like working with him because he uh, he's not only like an engineer, but he also um, offers creative input. You know, that's nice. Which um, something that when you're in studio, especially for two people, and you have a certain attachment to the music, you kind of need someone that is going to give you that unbiased opinion. You know, or just like tell you that like it sounds a certain way to you because you're hearing it. But like, you know, he's kind of like, like proofreading. He's going like, you know, like this is going to sound like, you know, we could do that, you know, so by think like you might want to try it this way. Have you had, is this the first time that you've had that connection with like an engineer or producer? Um, I mean, everyone's, everyone's very different. And like, I think especially like, um, James is kind of a fan of, uh, you know, more or less of like the, the flow of like when he's working with people, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's going to find someone that works out better for them. I I suppose, um, we ended up using, uh, um, a friend of ours, Jeremy Hayes to, uh, mix and he ended up mastering our, uh, our album. And, uh, as far as it went with him, it's like, he already, uh, knew our music. He's seen us play. He kind of, from a live standpoint, he knows kind of like, the you know <clears throat> what we're going for yeah the aesthetic and all that yep. yeah the aesthetic and the tone so like when we worked with him to mix it it took so much less communication really because he already knew it it's like you know when you we gave him the scratches and he just like gave us it back like after a couple of days we're just like this is like it's pretty much there <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, which was which was great. Like, can't you know, give enough props to him for that. He's also in like two other fantastic bands, uh, Mojo Bozo's Electric Circus, and uh, he's also in Mean Sea, which is a band you can check out. But I'm not sure how much they're doing at the moment. Okay, yeah. But Mojo Bozo's is uh, Mojo I like Bozo's that name. Electric Circus. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I, I dig that name. Um, for the when is that record coming out? Do you have an, a set date for that yet? Oh, funny you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're gonna be doing a kind of a release weekend. Okay. Where um, on June twenty first, we're gonna do an album release at Comet Ping Pong, the famous Comet Ping Pong, the famous one. Yeah. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a yeah. minute. Yeah. Uh, and that's gonna be with uh, Menage Garage and our, our, our buddies in Liquid TV. 
that we're going to haul up to um, to Brooklyn and end up playing on uh, Punk Island, which is uh, this giant like DIY punk festival that they hold um, on Randall's Island in New York. Okay. Um, like we kind of have uh, our record label um, King Pizza to thank for that. You know, um, they didn't. It wasn't the record label specifically that put us on there. I think it's like we got in touch with uh, Eli from Top Nachos, and then we played a, you know, a beach show somewhere. But we just kind of hooked up at that point, and uh, he hooked it up and, and threw us on there. Top Nachos is also fantastic. It's gonna name drop as much as I can. Here. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I'll go listen back to this episode and be able to. It's too bad we're not filming this. I could put on like a King Pizza shirt, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I got the top nachos shirt upstairs. You know, we could do. That. <laughs> just like I'm a NASCAR driver. There you like, go. As much. Sponsors. There you go. You just need them to pay you, right? That's how that works. Well, we're not on the. Well, we're not on the payroll. Unless it's like tied and all that stuff. I guess that's the really the ones that you want. You want the looking big for bucks. the sponsors that really help me out you know like i like i kind of would love a stick sponsor but like who wants to see people thrash their sticks on stage and break their sticks all the time yeah it's it's part of the it's part of the stage show like people were like you know oh you fucking hit me (laughs) (laughs) it's like sorry Uh, but i'm uh, trying to be punk rock i'm sorry buddy then we're gonna come back and we're gonna on that sunday we're gonna play uh in annapolis which is gonna be fun we play at a tsunami lounge it's a what's that it's a sushi bar it's a sushi cool. bar on West Street in Annapolis. Okay. Um, if I'm correct, the mayor of Annapolis is like one of the owners of it. Like, unless really? I'm getting confused. The mayor of Annapolis is awesome. Uh, Gavin Harrison. Now we're getting political, but I'm just talking from a, a general well, no, standpoint. I, just, I think that's cool because uh, the only place that I know of in Annapolis is the Metropolitan. I think. Yeah. Also, right? I think he's also owner of that too. So he's kind of responsible a lot for... Um, you know, uh, platform of, you know, like, uh, main street for the locals, you know, like it's a big tourist spot, but you know, we talk to most people I know from around this area, which I guess we're pointing out that I live, I, I live in Annapolis now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, even though we're a DC based band, you know, yeah. that's hard for people to, to wrap their head around. I'm like, no, it's like, we're a DC based band. That's where we've kind of like made our imprint. It's like, I live in Annapolis, but I'm still kind of like, We've been slowly like integrated a bit, but it's like we were always kind of like making our impression in DC. Well, and I'll, I'll end up asking this in, in a minute, but we can talk about it now, actually. Yeah. Um, so with Annapolis, um, I think there's been uh, a good job of getting local musicians and yeah. local shows in Annapolis more. We talked off mic about kind of some of the decline of Baltimore where it doesn't feel as friendly to play there as much and yeah. by friendly i mean like there's not as many opportunities i feel like well, and the the scene may have gone down overall um but obviously i'm not in baltimore so yeah. i don't fully know i'm just outside looking in but i think it's interesting for annapolis band to not really break into baltimore as much as you're breaking into dc because i feel like dc is harder to break into a lot of times yeah um man some of that was luck like honestly it's like i've lived i've lived in all the cities i've been a resident right. of all these cities and uh you know i it's kind of good that we it's a combination of luck and clever booking uh i think for us for for team mortgage specifically um because you know it's like i'm one person 
I knew a couple people down there. Like when I was really living down there, uh, you know, I wasn't on the area of town where all the musicians were, you know, it's like, I, I knew some that were like on the strip I lived in, but, uh, you know, if we were kind of dependent on like just friend draw alone and right. really kind of being like ingrained in the scene, uh, you know, we would have had a tough go cause James, he's, you know, he's, he's a, a British national basically. So it's <laughs> like, he's, it's com it's, it's complicated cause he's going back and forth between the UK and the mm -hmm. U S um, but you know, he'd just come back from living in the UK for like, you know, all his college years and stuff like that. And like the people that he knew were like down in Florida and like Chicago and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, if we were relying on friend draw, he wouldn't have got anywhere really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but as far as the, the scenes go, you know, it's, uh, I do say to a degree, it's like, I play the devil's advocate. Like you, you when you go to different cities, everyone's always kind of like, Oh, I wish there was a scene here. Like it's not what it used to be. So I'm always a little reluctant to like to make that right. call. But you, you can point out certain things that did happen. Like you know, it's like I love playing in Baltimore. I wish that you guys would book us more there. <laughs> Which I'm not saying you don't. Uh, but like we definitely like we get better opportunities in DC. So um, you know, whenever we're going up to Baltimore, it's like I'm, I'm super thankful. Like when you know we get booked. Which I, I think. I've been very thankful for Adam Savage because like, I think he kind of like, it's actually knows like what we sound like and he takes a chance and like, doesn't always just book us with like garage rock groups. He kind of understands that like we're heavy enough that we're like, you know, we can go on with, with bigger bands. And yeah. we played with big business before and it wasn't too weird, you know? Yeah. Which is amazing yeah. to me. Cause I, I, I really like them. And then having you, I think you hopped on that bill like a week before or two weeks before or yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Which is just insane. It's good. I'd already taken off work. So I yeah. cried a lot over that. That's, that's so much fun. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was pretty fantastic. So, um, you know, up there, it's like, you know, the cities have gone in, in waves. It's like, you know, we were just talking beforehand. Like, I think like, kind of like when I, I met you, uh, you know, we don't really talk about being a peak, but it was definitely like, it was to highlight like where like, you know, like Wham City was going on. And, yeah. Um, you know, you had Double Dagger and uh, Dan Deacon, it sure is Music Beat. Um, man, I'm probably going to leave out a lot of all the other awesome bands that were going on at the time, but there was, you know, kind of like a discernible era to me in Baltimore. And then you also had Sonar going, which was doing like 900 shows a year. The sidebar was... Which you is know, insane. A little but yeah. easier to um, access at that time. Uh, a little easier to get people over there. It's still, it's still a solid venue, you know. But uh, you know, I I don't think the city's done them any favors by putting a bus lane out in front of them when they're right. already limited on parking. Right. I think my favorite show that I've seen there was Jucifer, and uh, this is years and years and years ago. This band uh, Salame, I think, is how you pronounce it, or Salome. I, don't I was remember. on that gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you know that? Is that what you're yeah, getting to? That, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but it's so spinal tapish. They had so many amps that we had to play on the floor. So many amps. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I think that's still one of my favorite shows at Sidebar. It's just that that I think, I think Salome uh, at the time was fronted by uh, this, Cat. Yeah, the, she like. She, was the vocalist for uh, Agoraphobic Nosebleed yeah, at the time, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know at the time, but she went on later to do it. And it was, yeah. I just remember, like, talking to her, and I was just like, this is amazing, because um, 
I had a mutual friend with her that I booked um, before, and I just, I was just looking at her. And she's like four foot nothing. She's teeny yeah. tiny, and just her like her vocals they're so big. I was just like anything that like resembles me being a man like you just took like there's just so much loudness yeah. and like I want to be able to do that. I, I didn't see her uh, her setup. I wasn't sure how much of that was a pedal, but. <laughs> I think I, it I was like mostly her. her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it blew my mind. I was just like, I can't scream yeah. in, in any kind of sense of the word. And just to be able to see that come, even even like Pat Benatar, where it's, it's such a small person, but like a big voice. And then her to be able to do it in front of me, like with no effects, was just like phenomenal. While we're thinking about this, I'm actually looking up to see if Salome is still active. Because I was like, man, I, want, I should go listen to them. I don't think so. I looked. I looked them up. Uh, yeah, last album, uh, 2012. Yeah, I, yeah. That that must have been close to when I saw them. I feel yeah. like right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, like the, back to the whole like the scene thing. Like, uh, there's, you know, like Annapolis too had like a scene. Like, you know, like when I tell people I live here and we play music, there's also awesome bands that are here. Um, but there was like a definable era. In like Annapolis yeah, music, yeah. where like you know there was the whole foul record scene, and you know uh, people like uh, everyone knows like you know Jimmy Jimmy Haha like and like Jimmy's Chicken Chat mm-hmm. and like uh, I think some of the the names like just your average person would know like Good Charlotte, which I think if we're from you know from this area of the DMV, you kind of know. Yeah, them. Good Charlotte's actually where I'm from. Yeah. Well, living right now in Waldorf. Yeah, but Waldorf. Waldorf worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. that's. Yeah, um, but like, um, there was a lot of people that were, bands were coming through and playing here. I saw Norma Jean play at like a youth center where like people's parents were like selling cans of soda. That's so crazy. You know? Yeah, so uh, the Knights of Columbus did a lot of shows mm-hmm. in this area, um, at least the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw '68 there. Yeah, which was um, another Scoggins, I think his name is. Yeah. From Chariot and Norma Jean, uh, that's his two-piece band, which is another amazing like, just the the way that you can make a small two-piece person or two-piece band into this big loud thing is yeah. just always amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm always impressed. You know, it's like always like side eye some of the the gear and like yeah. setup when you ever see another two-piece that really does it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of like this these scenes can largely be identified um kind of like by the strength of like the DIY presence even though it's not what you initially think about you know i think a strong DIY venue presence in a city is pretty important even though like you might have like the larger acts coming through and playing like slightly bigger venues it's like you know it, there's a lot of bands that are just under the radar when they're on tour where it's like they came through and like played, like I saw, uh, I think it was Tweakbird. Uh, I think they played like a Charm City art space. Well, and that's like what I was five just, people. Yeah. That's what I was just about to bring up and with they, Charm City not yeah. being there. And then they opened up for tool like afterwards, which is insane. <laughs> you know, I think it was like a year later or, uh, Rosetta was a band that I was into out of Philly and they're, they're still active too. Like big post metal band. Yeah. And like, you know, they're playing like in a basement you know, in Baltimore and like they, they go over to, to the UK and they're like some kid trained in for like eight hours to see us yesterday. <laughs> and I think they went on tour with uh man, I'm hoping I'm not getting this wrong, but I think they went on tour with like Supple Tour over there and like Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
you know, uh, the I'm gonna mess his name up, but there's I think the current vocalist for Guar actually has like a doctorate in like music history. That's... And he gave a very interesting lecture on uh, kind of like a I think it was a TED talk actually <laughs> on like uh, this like kind of like perfect recipe that happens with a lot of these cities where it's like sometimes you know there's uh, this balance where like you have like a, maybe a s- s- lower social economic climate mm-hmm. in an area and then that kind of allows for like um, what he called like it's like I mean it's it's very I'm, I'm trying to like word this very very carefully right. but because essentially it's gentrification <laughs> you know but it's like there's a there's a point where you have suburban influx and that brings in people with like creatives and things like that and where they're kind of like oh well I can I can operate a DIY venue here because it's you know it's cheap to do and like you know charm city art space survived off of shows and that was what was paying the rent yeah you know and uh you know that kind of exists for a while as we talk about this moving in waves what happens is it is like you know you can reach a point where there's there's a cool scene going on and then at a certain point it becomes the cool place to be and then kind of the, the the crest of that gentrification wave comes and then that's where you start getting bohemian apartments and places called hook and barley and then all of a sudden all the people that made it cool can't afford to live and operate there well if you look around where 930 is right now like dc9 that whole area is being developed and yeah that i mean that could be dc9 i hope never leaves but that could always be something that could be um you know a victim to that yeah i mean like it's a it's a double it's a double-edged sword you know um because there's there's some i don't feel like i'm arguing for gentrification or something like that (laughs) you know it's a double-edged sword of like having that perfect recipe of like when you you can make like an area kind of cool and like turn it like it's like an arts area at that point and make it a little more pleasant, but then also at the same time, it's like that that scale can tip. Yeah, <laughs> then so you ruin the area. I feel like what happens, and I I, I talked about this uh, kind of. I, th- I think we touched about it um, when I talked to Jeremy Moeller, mm-hmm. um, where you have these art spaces, you have uh, these collectives that will come in and and you know go into a, a place and make it their own, and then all of a sudden you see this corporation that kind of looks at it and you're like, Oh, that's the hit place to be. And then that corporation goes in and buys it and then makes it into these like hip modern apartments. And they're like, Oh yeah, this is the place to be because this is where the art happens, even though it's not anymore because you just bought out and pushed all the artists away. Well, then you end up with, um, you know, you're familiar with what's going on like in DC right now where it's the, I'm going to mess up because I forgot, I forgot the hashtag. I forgot the uh, hashtag. Oh, um, don't quiet DC or yeah, something like I that. I think it's something like don't quiet DC. Or don't it's, mute. Don't mute DC. Yeah, don't yeah, mute that's DC. So that's that's like an example of a tipping point. You know, it's yeah. like that's where the, the crest of, of creativity is kind of like. Well, the pie shop had an issue with that. Um, where yeah. pie shop had an issue with that. They had a, a resident move in, which you know, uh, you know, turn that. I've heard a couple of things about it. I don't want to get into because like, you know, you don't know how much you want to air like dirty laundry of like the whole situation, but well, the way 
from the one side perspective that I've heard, it's that like someone went in there, bought one, like one of the like you know uh, six or seven figure you know uh, residential Units, areas whatever, where they yeah. moved into and they're renting it, and now they're complaining about the sound there, which. You know, it's like, I don't know that person's perspective on it. So it's like I said, I'm going to try to be right, fair right, here. Right, right, right. Um, because I'm sure that sucks, you know. But you did move down to H Street, you know. Yeah, the place is known gotta... for, for being a night spot, for being loud. Like, if, it's like if you moved down, like, so I've on been, street. It, I've yeah, been to Adams Morgan and seen people defecating in the streets, <laughs> you know. And, uh... You know, just how just debauched that place could be at times. Right. Like, if I moved there and it was loud, I would probably have no dog in that fight to no, like, really yeah, argue against yeah. that, you know? That's, some of that stuff just boggles my yeah. mind. Like, you you know, or at least you should know yeah. the the places that you're going to. It's the same thing, like, if you were to rent a, a big residential place on mm-hmm. U Street where you have all these clubs, all these bars, all these venues there. Yeah. Like, you Figure, like, have a good real estate agent that helps you say no do to you, certain places. Do you like nightlife? Are you a light sleeper? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's one thing that, that you're not going to get probably much of, is that you're, you're not going to get the flip side of the coin from that person. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I would say I do try to be fair and, like, um, you want to hear both sides of the argument, although I'm, <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm supporting pie shop in this, you know, but like, I would be interested to hear like, you know, their side of the argument just for the sake of doing it. You know, yeah. I, I don't really like a culture that just immediately just jumps on and starts slamming the other side because, you know, most of the time it's like, you're, if you're a third party in this, you're not getting, the full story of like what happened, yeah. you know, and that's really, you know, that's not the American way. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, we don't want to get, like I said, too political in that, in that regard, but you know, I, I, I would be interested to hear like what they really had to say about it. Well, and I, I think it's, I think it's also interesting going back to the point where, you know, if you don't have a good, strong DIY mm-hmm. basis, a lot of the stuff that you see and a lot of your scene kind of goes away because that you don't have anything pushing the envelope next, right? You you're a little more dependent on the venues, you yeah. know. Um, and without turning this into like a, a capitalism thing, it's like you know I think bands should be cognizant that like your there is a balance existing between it being a business and like maintaining the profitability or just maintain the stability of their business and having you play there where like, you know, uh, I think bands need to be real about like, you know, what level they're at and like what they're really worth. And like some people are like, Oh, this, this venue isn't barely pays anything or they don't want to put on like bands. And it's like, well, you know, honestly, it's like when I've met owners, I met people working at places. It's not a matter of, oh, we're just looking at this as for the coin aspect of it, but there's a matter of sustainability. Like it costs money to put you there. It costs money to have a sound guy. It costs money to have someone working and bartending. Well, look at look at Charm City. You know, they could have had more money coming in mm-hmm. and more money coming in if they could have done 
more profitable shows probably. Yeah. But because, you know, that's it's a dual-edged sword where you want to be able to support the community that yeah. you're in and then also, you know, support yourself. And I think that's very a very very difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's 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 a balance. I mean, you know, like saying the DIY culture like supports the people that are there that like might not be, you know, the biggest like like cash cows, right? Yeah. You know, the people that are coming up and really putting their, you know, their their they're really cutting the ice for themselves, you know. Um, you know, we're doing very well like in in the area and like regionally right now, like uh, you know, but still when we go out on tour, it's like I'm 100% dependent on like DIY culture in most places I go. You know, it's like we play a lot of galleries, you know, we play a lot of uh Yeah, we played very like Team Mortgage played very few house shows. Uh, if any, like in like the area, but like when we go out on tour, it's like, that's what we're dependent on, you know, like right. we have some bars and stuff like that, but you know, like those are kind of like what, what really drives that development. And, you know, if we, if we take off here soon, it's like, we might be the one that's like, all right, we're, you know, marketable enough where people are going to book us out. Right. Um, but you know, that's, it's, it's vital, man. Like really like and you have to really appreciate that people are Usually in the DIY scene, they're all doing it because they love what they're doing. Yeah. It's super refreshing going on tour, like a name drop, <laughs> like our, our, our label too, and meeting people that are just very passionate about what they're doing. You know, uh, Greg from King Pizza has been just fantastic, but he like very leveled with us of like what the expectations were, like when we we're going to like sign on with them. He actually, uh, you know, that... Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the details of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's been really refreshing uh, really being at the point now where I'm touring on a relatively frequent basis. Or just, I can just say frequent basis at this point. Yeah. Um, that there are people that are just doing it out of the love of music, you know. Um, I think sometimes when you're local and you're trying to grind and you get frustrated about, like, you don't think your music is being carried over or you're not getting the... the uh, you know what you want out of what you're putting into it and or you feel like there's might be like some like you know shoulder rubbing issues like with bands or like scenes or bookers or stuff like that locally and then you go out on tour and just see that there's just people just doing it out of love of music it's it's super refreshing and like getting that the hospitality when you go from city to city and people just offering to put you up in their houses and you know it's 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 been pretty uplifting you know that's that's fantastic i mean that's got to be a good way to to keep you going music wise too yeah you know you're not only you're in two bands and you have to invest in yourself to be in those bands right financially yeah. uh personally the, the whole nine in there and then find the energy to keep going and touring while balancing the, the fact that you have a very important full-time job yeah. as well right <laughs> Yeah. So, and then, you know, your, your personal relationships. So I'm sure touring all, all of that comes into play to where if it was just, uh, you know, you getting beat up on the road the entire time where you're only playing yeah. and not seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, I'm sure it's not going to be that same kind of passion that you have for your music either. Yeah. Like you're talking to me at a good time at this point. Cause like when we were talking, I said before off, off mic, uh, you know, it took me 
you know, basically like a decade to kind of reach the point of balance that I'm at right now. And there is a lot of rough patches, like where like both like financially and just like physically, like when I worked in the ER, uh, you know, I just book all my days together and that place just wiped me out. You know, it's like, I mean, that was just a, a rough job from a variety of angles. <laughs> I mean, I think, don't think I'm convincing anyone, you know, and no one's convinced that working in the ER is, is, is an easy job. Well, they right? saw the show, right? Like they, they saw the, the George Clooney, <laughs> the George Clooney it. one yeah. or the one on like TLC. Yeah. Like, either way. I, I feel like yeah. it's, it's all drama intense stuff. And yeah. you know, like we spin this back around and tired all the time a little bit. Like, you know, uh, Mike from Tired All the Time works in mental health, and he was, you know, he's known me for all of this time. He's kind of seen me go through like the different waves, and he's kind of at one point like, you know, I, I kind of lived some horrible things, like, and like I've really kind of like you go in on a daily basis and kind of like have to think about mortality. Yeah, you know, uh, and he was just kind of like, I'm kind of amazed that there doesn't really seem to be much of a structure for like mental health for nurses. It's like it's. It's yeah. A, it's a. I mean, I think if you really needed it, you could probably go to, you know, uh, some HR route and, and get some help. Um, but there's also there's a nursing culture where, um, you know, people like talk about like like nurses eat their young or, you know, uh, there's a certain culture about, you know, not being hard enough to handle it. I think. I know? think. Uh... I think you can draw a comparison and not to speak out of turn, but you can probably draw a comparison to military to a hundred percent to even police and all that stuff where you're seeing those traumatic things. And yeah. if there's not that support system in there, I'm sure PTSD is a real thing, even in nursing where you're seeing all this traumatic yeah. stuff right away. And if like what you were just talking about, you know, if it's, if it's not that culture where, you know, if you, can't handle it get out or if you're not strong enough to handle it then you need to find like a paper pushing job or something like that like i'm sure that's yeah, also a it, thing in there right that that analogy is pretty accurate you know especially because like I me mean, I, I a lot of the, the physicians i've worked with uh nurses you know there's a lot of people that were like you know uh like active or you know like uh, post their military careers and like you know some of the er doctors i worked with had been in combat zones and this is like may, might be surprising to you i had one doctor told me he'd rather go back to afghanistan than go back to like this place in tennessee he was working that's insane because he said that was so much more like you know it, it was different watching people tear each other apart in a combat zone he says another thing just watching people back in the states just actively destroy themselves you know um so yeah it's like that i think what sometimes we, we get, i'll get the question like being like in a punk group yeah, uh, I mean, I'm gonna spin this back around a tire all the time eventually because I feel like I don't, <laughs> I don't talk enough about my other band, right? Uh, just because I mean, we're we're not as active, so I'm not always like doing the the full PR thing where I'm, yeah, you know. But um, oh, man, uh, I lost my train of thought. So you were <laughs> talking about how you were in a punk band? Oh yeah, people ask me like like what are you being punk against? You know, like there's like like there's some kind of expectation, and you know, um, we've, we've both James and I have been asked it before. And it's like, we're not like an overtly political group. 
you know, it's not something that we, we make a, you know, a real point to like make as like our, our brand, I guess. Sure. Um, and it's not that I don't support it. It's that like, you know, we're kind of a, we see this as kind of a, more like a break from that. And I honestly don't think that's because I don't want to get involved in that, but I think some of that actually stems more from just like saying like for my job, I kind of go in, I deal with like really like the finality of life. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, uh, I kind of see just like the uplifting nature of even like aggressive music or punk music just to kind of be like a little bit like an escape from that, you know, like an endorphin rush. And like I uh, that's more about like what we're centered around. I mean, if in, in uh, full disclosure, half the time I don't really know what James is saying. This is, <laughs> is not, it's not a dig on his accent or anything like that. <laughs> but it's because it's so like, it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's funny. <laughs> Sorry. I don't understand. I don't know why people can't understand him. It's like, I'm like, this is what it sounds like when English is pronounced properly. <laughs> you know, the Jimmy Carr joke there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times it's it's kind of just not the most important thing to me for the song. Well, yeah, punk punk can be a couple, it can be whatever you want to, and I think that's that's where people I think lose the the overall message because it's it's really you don't have to be punk against something; you just have to be able to get everything out. Or you know, we were, we were talking earlier when I was showing you the the house, which you know we're. The really nice house that I'm I'm jealous of. I should be an adult at one point in my life. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah, like um, when we're talking about uh, idols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of one of the things like that is, you know, undeniably punk group. They they do have a political like kind of nature to it, but they're doing it in a very different way. They where... also have a very emotional outlet for it. They have... Well, I think like in interviews, they talked about being like, you know, were we just going to go out and be just five angry white dudes? You know, or, you know, kind of try to do something positive, you know, right. where it's ref- kind of refreshing to see, like, I mean, the name of their last album is uh, Joy is an Act of Resistance. Yeah. You know, uh, and they have songs about just like, it's it's like aggressive sounding, but it's like literally like, love yourself. <laughs> you yeah. Um, Respect other people. Oh, what What is, you know? if, if uh, I heard someone talk about you like you talk about you yeah i would punch them the in the face yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i love it i i, I love it yeah. i love that album um but even like the the stillborn um song on that is just you can you can make it to what what you want it and mm-hmm. then like to your point too you know you're you're seeing stuff in the in the hospital that you know just the act of living can be something that you're that that's as punk as you can be yeah. You know, you can you see everything, the finality of life right in front of you and you can just like go out and live your life and enjoy the fact that you're playing music and it, hitting things hard yeah. and it it's why I, I have the balance that I have right now. We talked about where it's like I could work more, I could be making more money, but I'm not gonna be able to buy back my time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've pretty much reached the balance where it's like I can I have a job that's, you know, uh fulfilling uh but I really put more of an emphasis on kind of like living my life outside of it, you know, uh, 
and playing in the two groups and it's like yeah like you said that could i guess that could be its own <laughs> act of resistance it's 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 against the norm yeah you know and uh i didn't think it was going to work out for a long time <laughs> it kind of had that, that that while where it's like you put so much into it and then uh uh at a, it's lucky that i kind of met james and like tired all the time kind of came together at the time it did because it's like it all kind of came together and it's like i still have my youth you right know? right uh although like i think like particularly with tired all the time it's like i don't feel like i'd age out of it you know because it's like tired all the time is very much like its own thing you know uh i don't really know how to go uh always a little bit strange when I talk about it. It's like, should I go, should I go off kayfabe for this? <laughs> I got a wrestling reference there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have, you have a whole look for tired all the time, right? Yeah. Um, without, tr- I try not to over explain it. Cause that's part of the beauty of it is that, um, again, people can kind of take from what they, they want from it. But like, I think it's safe to say we have like a kind of like loosely like corporate farmer court yeah, kind of yeah. like, uh, aesthetic, well, the customer appreciation tour—that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. The customer yeah. appreciation tour, because we you know, we value our clients, right? Exactly. Um, it's just been a really weird way that we kind of like can you know converged on that theme. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think tired all the time as a as a, a name too, because when I was looking at it, uh, you know, I am tired all the time from working. Oh yeah. I am tired all the time from living. I am tired all the time from doing everything. So the the fact that you have that aesthetic in there and that it, it's like, also it's me yeah it's it's the name itself gets a lot of giggles but at the same time it's it's kind of that duality of um you know we kind of write kind of music that sounds maybe like a little faster and a little brighter but like if you listen to the lyrics it's like there's there's a little more depth there and it's sometimes kind of like conveying a little bit of quiet desperation or right um I would say that tired all the time depending on what member of the group that you're talking to. This is one of the reasons why I don't try to explain it too much. Sure. They all have kind of pretty different ways of like really interpreting it. It's like each one of us is kind of like conveying our own, uh, life, uh, not, I want to say issues, but our own perspectives on life. And like a a lot of tired of time is actually not so ironically, uh, therapeutic, you know, it's like, um, with a bit of, uh, tongue in cheek, like delivery to it but like you know um we'd say like mike is uh mike's pretty increasingly like politically aware and he does kind of like say that he um kind of writes from a place of like potentially making like a little bit detached but like if you would ask him he would say that there's you know like a loosely uh anti like capitalist like theme throughout sure. the like any, definitely anything that he writes we can almost like interpret that for some of the stuff that, that daniel's brought to the table where daniel's a little bit more um not probably doing a disservice by trying to explain <laughs> how that guy thinks you know i'm not the the most uh well-versed in philosophy i'd say as them <laughs> sure well for you um i don't know how integral you are in any other writing but I would assume the because we talked about the finality of life and and being able to see that is it something that you bring uh, lyrically at all to any of the bands is it something that any of the themes that you bring up or so like I said from for Team Mortgage I'm pretty much almost completely removed I'd say from I don't okay. I, I, I 
the reason what I'm saying is I can't think of ever contributing anything like lyrically to it. Sure. You know, um, entire all the time. Uh, I am, <laughs> I'm like the de facto like manager, I would say, although I do try to like delegate things to other people, okay. but it's just kind of, I just assume that role begrudgingly, <laughs> you know, um, I have written lyrics for Tired all the time. I'd say that maybe like with air quotes because like one of our songs, Bloody Toothbrush, which is something I've never had a platform to really explain before, but uh, the song Bloody Toothbrush is um, actually um, all the side effects of a drug, <laughs> but just put together in, um, you know, a poetic way. That's funny. But they're okay. literally like off-label side effects. And I mean, I don't really, I don't think anyone's ever going to like, like uh, Pfizer or whatever is going to sue yeah. me. But it will, they're, they're, they're the side effects of Ambien. So it's public okay. knowledge. <laughs> okay. You know, but it actually came from working with people. I'd have people that were on that drug or people I knew and like they'd wander off into the woods or. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hear, you hear stories about just the sleepwalking. Sleep driving. Or, yeah. 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 You know. But they're literally like you know detachment from self, a sense of uh, loss of sense of uh, self awareness or self being, a uh, false sense of well being, like and this is stuff that people reported in clinical trials. So that is like that would be like one of my like earlier like contributions to them. Okay. But like really like uh, at this point it's there's they we've gotten to a point where we're so spread out that we're like almost like writing remotely. Gotcha. Um, okay. So the two active like lyricists would be Daniel and Mike, and like you know we're trying to work more and more towards like having them actively like you know uh, write stuff together more, but uh, that only happens sometimes. So we have stuff we write remotely. We have a few things we write together, and it's like it, it's nice because it ends up having like a nice kind of like pseudo varied sound. Like when you get to the album, yeah. I um, when daughters released their latest record mm -hmm. i was watching all the document documentaries sure i think documentaries documentaries i can't talk it maybe it depends on what region of the country you're in we right get a little, yeah a little I, don't, semantic I don't i don't here, yeah but i don't know what i'm doing um language but, is evolving <laughs> there you go. um but it, it was interesting because they were talking about how you know they haven't been in the same room for over 10 years and yeah being able to write remotely and then finally coming into one place and being like, okay, this actually feels good again and all that. Um, is that something that you feel with tired all the time with that remoteness and then trying to bring them together? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it depends on, depends on where I'm at. You know, luckily it's like, I've, I've been a long time collaborator with Mike, like tired all the time is, is almost like a super group of like different projects that I was having going on at the time. Sure. You know, I started working with Daniel um, because I was trying to get him to do a live version of one of his projects that was called Timmy sells a soul. Um, and it just ended up that like, uh, the dry sea, I don't know if we touched on that, like kind of became uh, on our indefinite hiatus around that time due to schedules. And I was also in USA Pleasure Dome uh, with Brian. I forgot about that band, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it was a quick yeah. little flare yeah. that I was in there. But it was like a year and a half or two years. I kind of went in and we kind of did stuff and just had a little like, you know, it's a little bump, you know, <laughs> a little bump. And I, I, I don't say I forget that I was in that band, but 
you know, um, it just kind of didn't work out for the like lifestyles for both those groups. Sure. So what happened was I, I took some of the most uh, organized members out of those groups. And that's kind of like what became tired all the time. I think it's why it, it allows us to function because like I kind of trimmed, I don't want to say trim the fat because it makes it seem like, <laughs> like Greg's, Greg's a great guy. Greg Skelsey. Skel- I probably screwed his name up. I'm so sorry, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, Greg's a great guy, but let me saying like I, I I was cherry picking people that I know I sure. could work with already. Sure, you know, uh, and it ended up working out, and like the, we barely ever get to practice at this point. I, I've been you know I've been mostly just like practicing door recordings. You know, that, that's kind of my mentality. Like it's recorded, you have no reason to say you haven't practiced it or we haven't practiced because it's there. You know. <laughs> And so you're practicing with enough. You're practicing with the, the picture perfect idea of what it would sound like. That's interesting. I mean, granted, if we were doing more improvisation and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but I, I never would have thought about that. I don't know why, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's already there. You like you just got to make sure that you're tight and like. If you don't like practicing to a metronome, you have your track recorded <laughs> to a metronome. You can play to that. Yeah. Um. So that's that's where I'm at. With, with with that, it's mostly like if I'm gearing up for something, I probably just practice along to our tracks and then, you know, you're, you're a little shit out of luck for like the newer stuff. But, yeah. you know, um, that's if we're not all playing a whole set of new stuff. So, you know, uh, yeah, Tired All the Time exists through, uh, again, a balance. That's cool. You know? So what do you think keeps you motivated to keep playing the most and and keep kind of going and pursuing this the most especially with the the two bands and the the fact that you are you know planning on touring more and releasing more and doing all this stuff in there um you know i've always kind of had the mentality like anything worth doing is worth doing well you know um i feel like i'm in a good spot because like creatively uh, I've never really thought about playing music because I wanted to like quote make it. You know, I think everyone like you say that, and like you know everyone kind of has like this rock star mentality. What's going to happen? Uh, and I've heard it said more often than not. Like if that's why you're getting into it, you you might as well just lay it up because you might just write crap. You know, right. And it's like, despite, I'd say, I'd say Team Mortgage is probably like one of the most success, uh, accessible bands I've been in. Um, I don't think about that, like when I'm working with a group, it's like, we're, we're writing from a place of like, we're like, we like what we're playing. And I think if you like what you're doing, that, especially now more than ever, it's like, there's an audience for it. Yeah. You just have to find that yeah. audience. You know, if you write obscure stuff, you have to find that audience. You know, I mean, this is coming from like person who I'm like somewhat versed in like, like noise music and avant-garde stuff. Yeah. And, like that's, it's not going to be on the radio, but like we're, we're on like tired all the times labels, flag day records. That guy has a pretty sustainable model for himself based mostly off of like avant-garde noise music, like kind of weird, like electronic stuff. And that's an example of write what you love then find, the find your little niche. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of just have the mentality of just try to push it to whatever makes it fulfilling for you. You know, unfortunately, like if you, if you, what makes it fulfilling to you is being a rock star and, you know, Cadillacs and money and all the other stuff, uh, you're going to have quite the, the, 
quite possibly impossible task. Yeah, that's a lot of work. You know, um, but you know, I I think to if you can work hard enough at it, like to make it fulfilling on a level of like, or, or for me personally, like where I'm at, it's like I'm traveling around most of the time now, seeing the country, going to places that I wouldn't really have thought to go of. To go, sorry, to go to. Right. Um, and it's kind of like a self-sustaining vacation slash like work vacation, you know, where it's I'm going around doing something I love and seeing the country and like that in itself has kind of been like its own like adventure. But like you do get some like little like you know uh, this weird sense of connectivity like when you're playing a show and like unfortunately <laughs> it's like it's not always when you're playing for a huge crowd because like I've definitely played for played for good bit of like substantial crowds and been like, this is good. But I've also played for like a room full of like 20 people that are just going nuts. So the size isn't always the important part, but you know, when you're on stage, you you kind of like you're in your own headspace sometimes, but at the same time you're, you're connecting like with the audience, you know? And that's what I'm saying. Like when you're just playing for 20 people that are going like ape shit, you know, like, that is quite like a little existential high to be on, you know, and we played like a support for a couple groups where we were like, it was just kind of like a mismatched like bill where I'm sure there are people in the audience that were fucking with us, you know? <laughs> uh, but you know, there's a lot of people just kind of looking at their cell phones and stuff yeah, like that while you're yeah. playing. And uh, you know, so I'm saying the crowd isn't always like the, right. the thing, you know, but if you can find that connection, that's, that's something that's good for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, really you're, you're, recreating something that you've done every night for people, you know, and like, that's what I'm saying. If, if you don't like what you're doing, you know, uh, that, that well is going to run out <laughs> really quickly, you know? Cool. I think that's it, man. Yeah. We've been talking for a while.